0: The living low carb show.com.
1: you're a fan of fat, then you need to try the F-Bombs. Go to jimmylovesfbomb.com, enter the coupon code bomb, and you'll get 20% off of your first order. So what are these F-Bombs? They are nut butters, and they have incredible combinations of coconut and macadamia nut, macadamia nut butter, and my favorite is salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. They also have several oil blends, including the blend, the MCT oil, as well as coconut oil. If you want your fat on the go, then you need to check out jimmylovesfbomb.com. And once again, use the coupon code jimmylovesfbomb. You'll get 20% off your first order. jimmylovesfbomb.com.
0: You're listening to a special presentation of Jimmy Rants on the Live and La Low Carb Show. Jimmy's on sabbatical, so we're bringing you some of the very best content from his wildly popular live show, Jimmy Rants. Want to know what the very latest is in nutrition news? Follow Jimmy at JimmyRants.com for all of the archives and links to his social media where you can engage live with the content. Stay tuned now for a special Jimmy Rants on the LLVLC
1: show. Today's Jimmy Rants is all about this notion of the 2020 dietary guidelines for Americans. So a lot of people, they don't even think about this at all. Uh, What the government has to say about how they should eat, uh, which has happened every year, every four years, excuse me, every five years, get it right in a minute. Every five years since 1980, we have gotten an update on the dietary guidelines for Americans. And this update is put together by the United States Department of Agriculture, USDA, and the Department of Health and Human Services, um, HHS. So these two, they form a committee, an advisory committee, that supposedly has all of the latest and greatest scientists in the world of nutritional health. But their little secret is, no, they don't. Uh, What they do is they have very sophisticated lobbying efforts Uh, by people that have been put on this committee uh, as kind of payback for various political favors. There's so much like skeeviness behind the scenes of how this committee is put together. But let's assume that they are getting together with the sole purpose of trying to look at what the latest nutritional health science is saying. Okay, so what I want to ask here and what I'm going to talk about here today is will low-carb keto science be considered for the 2020 Dietary Guidelines. So I'm going to give you a little bit of history before I read this article about this. So in 2010, I traveled to Washington, D.C. to give testimony on Capitol Hill uh, before the USDA Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee. And at that time, it had been uh, right about five years since I went on the Atkins diet and lost weight and got healthy. And I thought, hey, I wanna make my voice heard. I want them to hear a real person who didn't really do what they suggested, um, and I got healthy. So I remember going, and of all the 330 million people in America, there were a grand total of about 60 people that testified. And everybody that testified got about three minutes to say your piece with the Dietary Guidelines Committee. And I remember uh, the very first lady that went up there, she was just passing through town. She got to speak first and she was a, all, a real food person. She just got up there and said, you know, I think we need to really be focusing on, on real whole foods. Remember, this is 2010 before like paleo and, and obviously before keto really got it big and she's, you know, I think we really need to like encourage people to eat local and eat real whole foods. And I think that could change their life. Blah, blah, blah. She was awesome. But then it was like industry after industry, the grain lobby, the dairy lobby, the meat lobby, the soybean lobby, the everybody and their mama and they're all of them are just reading from a prepared statement because they wanted it in the public record. So... I was about number 27 or so in this group of people. And I remember getting up there and I'm like, not looking at any notes, I'm looking right at the committee. And I said, you know, I tried doing everything that you've said to do in these dietary guidelines. And all it did was make me sicker and fatter. And I think we need to look at guidelines in a different way. If we're gonna give people guidelines by which they should follow, we need to recognize that not everybody's gonna do well on one set of guidelines for all people. I said, we don't all wear this, the same shy, sized shoe, do we? No, we do not. We. Uh, I wear a 13 triple E wide width. Other people might wear an eight. My wife, Christine, wears a, a teeny tiny little five and a half. Um, We all have different size shoes. So why don't we do the same with diet? Don't we all have varying sizes of diets that would work for us? And I said, I think that's the answer if you will listen. And so you need a low carb option. You need uh, a low fat option if people do well with that. You need a Mediterranean. You need all these different options and let people choose what works for them. And I said, if you fail to do this, remember, this was the 2010 dietary guidelines. If you fail to do this, I'm going to be back here five years from now with more people with more obesity, more diabetes, more heart disease, more cancer, more everything. And I'm going to look you in the face and go, why? And I remember uh, Dr. Jeff Folick, one of the researchers uh, in the ketogenic realm, he was in the audience, too, to give testimony. And he said, when I was talking, you could hear a pin drop and none of those committee members could take their eyes off of me. I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention. I was kind of in my in my thinking mode there of the the talking points that I wanted to say. And I was speaking totally from the heart. I didn't really prepare anything, uh, but they weren't doodling. They weren't doing all the things they were doing when everybody else was reading from the prepared statement. And. I shared this story, by the way, in the introduction of Keto Clarity, but it's, uh, it's a travesty uh, because nothing really happened from that. And then five years later in 2015, they did another update and it got a little better where they said cholesterol is not a nutrient of concern and they relaxed some of the restrictions that they've had on fat before. But now they're under consideration for the 2020 dietary guidelines. And this story I'm about to read to you uh, is from NBC Miami, and it's all about the experts reviewing low carb and other diets for guidelines. And so I'm hopeful in this Jimmy Rants that what they're sharing in here does come to fruition and that they do take into consideration the low carb keto science for those 2020 dietary guidelines. But as I've been sharing quite a bit lately on Jimmy Rants is I think the scene is being set up to bamboozle the low carb keto science. I think there's so much uh, interest behind the scenes that's being bought and paid for by the vegan movement and all the powers that be. And and like that one I mentioned earlier, uh, Bill Gates pouring money into so-called studies that are looking at how a vegan diet is far superior, blah, 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 and that's gonna seep in, you guys. Well, we have science, even though it's bad science. So let's read this article. The group had its first meeting last week and it's expected to issue a report to help shape the dietary guidelines by next year. With keto-friendly recipes sweeping across social media, some followers of low-carb eating are hoping that they get a nod of approval In the upcoming U.S. dietary guidelines that advise Americans on what to eat. I don't necessarily think they need to push keto as the diet. What I think they should do is promote keto as an option if you have insulin resistance, an option if you have type 2 diabetes, an option if you have abdominal fat and obesity. Those are the people that I think need keto the most. And if they promoted it as an option without discouraging people away from it, then I think that's a great thing. Sadly, I don't think that's going to happen. It may seem minor, but backers say that low carbs inclusion could influence nutrition advice that doctors give. And there it is. See, doctors do promote nutrition, even though they have no training in it. And what do they do? They parrot the information that is put out there by things like the U.S. Dietary Guidelines for Americans. Now, obviously, you got to get the dieticians on board as well. And a lot of those dieticians have been vilifying saturated fat. They've been vilifying red meat. They've been promoting, quote, healthy whole grains. Um, They've been promoting all of this advice that runs counter to what ketogenic eating is all about. But if we change the guidelines in 2020 so that they give uh, a little more credence to the low carb message as an option, then this could be a good thing and its effect on doctors. Uh, but, 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 it also helps to shape government food programs like school lunches. School lunches, military commissaries, all of them, you guys, are now currently predicated on what the USDA dietary guidelines say. So if they say we need to eat more healthy whole grains. Guess what? They are required with school lunches to stick a grain on your child's plate because those dietary guidelines are the way they are. But if there's options set up and uh, your kid has type two diabetes, you can say, you know what? I want the low carb keto option for my kid because they have type two diabetes. Or you can have that available because there would be options. Currently, the guidelines cite the Mediterranean diet, uh, the vegetarian diet, and other diets as examples of healthy eating. They're probably healthy for some somebody, but that's not really the point here. If they're going to promote things like a Mediterranean diet, a vegetarian diet, and other diets as examples of healthy eating, why not throw a low-carb keto option in there? Why do they have such a vitriolic response to anybody and everybody who talks about restricting carbohydrates, eating more healthy fats, eating more real whole foods? Where is the downside in that? Why would the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee not want to at least look at that really closely? Because the evidence for a low-carb ketogenic approach to eating is probably far, far more evidence-based than some of the things that they've promoted. Did you know the low-fat diet uh, in a a randomized, controlled, clinical way has never, never beaten a low-carb diet in a head-to-head matchup? Never. It's something like 31 studies where they've gone head-to-head and every single one of them, low-carb at least tied if not beaten low carb every single time. Low low fat never has won. Low carb has beaten low fat every single time that they've gone head to head. But you don't hear that. You You don't hear anybody talking about that. And if this low fat diet that's been pushed for so long was the grand panacea in our health, why isn't everybody walking around healthy and thin? They're not. And don't tell me, well, it's because people don't comply with the guidelines. No, they're complying very well with the guidelines. And the problem is a low-fat diet is not ideal for a whole lot of people, especially people with insulin resistance, especially people who are dealing with metabolic damage of some sort, type 2 diabetes, abdominal obesity. These are the very people that keto works like a champ. And when I say works, I'm not just talking about weight loss. I'm talking about bringing your blood sugar into line, lowering your insulin levels, lowering inflammation levels, all the key signs of health that you want. And I don't know about you, but if they don't get their act together, the USDA dietary guidelines, which I think are already irrelevant in the minds of most people, will become obsolete for most people. But the tentacles still reach into our culture and people still don't realize that, how how deep it goes into the culture. Um, food stamps that poor people uh, get and can use on food, they're almost required to buy things that are within that realm of what's considered healthy. Let me get back to this story. If you're just joining us, we're asking the question, will low-carb keto science be considered for the 2020 dietary guidelines? Because... We have a new headline, U.S. experts uh, reviewing low-carb and other diets for the guidelines. And I'm asking the question, are they really? Because I remember in 2015 and even in 2010 when I testified before the USDA uh, committee, um, they asked for open comments and they asked for people to submit comments. So I remember a bunch of us in the low-carb world sent them all kinds of research and all kinds of – personal data about how keto and low carb helped us get our health back and our weight and blah, blah, blah. And all of that. I mean, they got gobs of feedback. What'd they do? Nothing. So I'm not holding my breath, you guys, that anything is actually going to change. Now they do quote Nina Teicholz uh, in this book. She's the uh, author or in this article, she's the author of the book, Uh, The Big Fat Surprise. So if you haven't read that book, go get that book. But Nina is an investigative journalist, and she wrote that book after realizing the history of how we got to fearing fat and why fat is actually uh, uh, unfairly vilified. So she says the main point is to get away from a one-size-fits-all diet. So Uh, Nina started this group called the Nutrition Coalition. Go look it up, you guys. Go Google Nutrition Coalition. I believe it's nutritioncoalition.us is the website. But go look them up, you guys. They are a 501c3 nonprofit. And their primary objective is to get the Dietary Guidelines Committee to actually look at the science supporting uh, all diets, including a low-carb ketogenic diet. Last year, U.S. health officials said low-carb diets will be reviewed along with other eating styles for the 2020 update to the guidelines. Backers are hopeful because the panel of experts selected to review the evidence includes members that were nominated by the Atkins Nutritionals Company as well as a beef industry group. The group had its first meeting last week. They uh, are expected to issue their report that will help shape the guidelines by next year. Sometimes you guys uh, with these guidelines, they go all the way to the end of the year before they actually reveal them. So it's the 2020 dietary guidelines, but don't expect it to come in January. Uh, Don't be surprised to see it come in say October, November next year. Um, And these things are very controversial when they come out because sometimes They put things in there that don't make certain people happy. Um, Yeah. Low carbs consideration comes amid skepticism of nutrition research for producing confusing advice. Low carb supporters say that rising obesity rates shows that the conventional wisdom about nutrition that's reflected in the guidelines simply doesn't work for everyone. And it's not just the rising obesity rates. I would say the rising rates of type 2 diabetes, the rising rates of the number one killer of both men and women, uh, heart disease, Um, all of these chronic diseases that we now know have a metabolic connection. This is the problem, you guys, when they have a one size fits all diet promoted by the USDA, who's sole purpose in the government, you guys, the USDA, the Department of Agriculture, is to protect the agricultural industry. So why do we ever think the USDA, Department of Agriculture, is ever going to not promote grains? Why does nobody ever call out the obvious like this? Why don't we ever say um, we need to remove this dietary guidelines from the USDA. Now, the Health and Human Services, okay, they have nothing to do with promoting grains. And I think it should be maybe solely in their purveyorship. Better yet, take it away from the government altogether. Why don't we have an independent council of experts, bring in a a vegan expert on the panel, bring in a ketogenic researcher on the panel, bring in someone that's adept at the Mediterranean diet bring in this, bring in that. Let's have a consortium of sorts of all of these different people and let's let them come together with what they do agree upon are real uh, good health modalities when it comes to your nutrition. How cool would that be, you guys? Can they all coalesce around, you know, sugar is really bad. We don't need to be eating sugar. Can they all coalesce around refined grains? and other refined carbohydrates as being not so good can they can they can they all coalesce around that can they coalesce around real whole foods to fit whatever template works for you this is the kind of meaningful change that i have long been wa- wanting to see with the dietary guidelines but i don't think As long as they're under the purveyorship of the Department of Agriculture and other government entities, we're ever going to see any meaningful change living la vida low carb talking about a low carb diet uh-huh. getting your body
0: healthy and ain't no doubt about it yeah it's really about ketosis a ketogenic life Yeah, a real-time indicator for ketosis called ketonics it message your breath for ketones are you burning fat it's the first of its kind all my ketonians where you at hey i'm just here to let you know want to look and feel incredible we live in la vida low carb get your body healthy and live long hey Keep my fats high, high and my carbs low. Need my glucose down right now, pronto. Check my ketones, look at the stats, yo. With ketonics, now I'm in the burning fat zone. Ketonics, we burning fat, yeah, we on it, yeah, yeah. With ketonics, I'm burning fat, and I'm on it, yeah, yeah. Living La Vida, low carb, I do this every day. If you want to burn that fat, it ain't no other way, yeah go to ketonics.co. And for my international followers, it's ketonics.com. Woo.
1: Some nutrition experts caution that evidence for low carb diets is new and that it's unclear what the long-term effects might be. Well, here's the thing. We've never seen the long-term effects of a low fat diet. Oh yeah, we have since 1980. We have had it rammed down our throats. I was a kid in 1980. I was nine years old in 1980. And we have had low fatdom literally shoved down our throat for four decades. And in those four decades, what's happened? We've gotten fatter and sicker than ever before. And yet they want to bring up the Some nutrition experts fear that low-carb diets don't have enough long-term research. Well, we got plenty of long-term research on what low-fat diets are doing, and it ain't good. And so that's the problem, you guys. They're always trying to point the finger at low-carb doesn't have enough research, but nobody ever talks about low-carb or low-carb doesn't have enough research, but low-fat has no research either. They keep wanting to pretend like that there's some magical data with low-carb diets or low-fat diets that exists. Sorry, I don't mean to uh, confuse you. Low-fat diets have no good evidence showing that they have any good health outcomes from being on them. Number one, because low-fat, you're eliminating or at least greatly reducing something that's extremely healthy for your body, dietary fat. I know it's been vilified. People still fear it to this day. I don't want to clog my arteries, all this nonsense. But what they're not telling you is that you have essential fatty acids. That if you don't eat those, you die. That if you don't eat those in the proper amounts, your body cannot absorb certain nutrients like vitamins A, D, E, and K, all the fat-soluble vitamins. So fat serves a good purpose. But a low-carb diet... There is no need for carbohydrate, none. And yet they, f- they fear low-carb diets, long-term effects. You could eat zero carbs for the rest of your life and be perfectly healthy. If you eat zero fat, you're going to die really soon because your body has a need for fat. Fat. They say criticism of the guidelines is way overblown. Oh, yeah. If it was actually science based, it wouldn't be overblown uh, criticism. If they would actually give people options, we would not have to come out and speak against these guidelines. The guidelines have been a horrendous wreck on our culture ever since they first were introduced in 1980. Let me give you a little bit of history on this. How did we get to the point where in 1980, we got the dietary guidelines? It started with this researcher named Ansel Keys. And Ansel Keys in the 1950s conducted some research um, where he put these rabbits uh, on starvation diets and and had them eat um, uh, saturated fat. And their bodies are not made to eat saturated fat. Um, Their bodies are made to eat vegetables. Um, And so when he fed them saturated fat, they got heart disease. Um, And so some of those things then kind of formed this hypothesis that he said, hmm, well, if this happened to rabbits, it's got to happen to humans. So let me do this study of nations around the world to see if the ones who eat the most saturated fat end up having the most heart disease because of those rabbit studies he did. So he goes around the world. He looks at all this data from various countries. He actually looked at a total of 26 different countries. And with the 26 countries, there were some countries that ate more fat, but had less heart disease. There were some that ate less fat, uh, but they had more heart disease. Uh, And then he had some that fit his model of they ate more fat, heart disease, blah, blah, blah. And so what he did was he took those 26 data points and went, nope, I'm going to cut out all but seven of them. And the seven that he chose, included the United States, uh, found that that his hypothesis of the more fat that you ate in your diet led to heart disease. So he got a very big splash. He got on the front cover of Time magazine for this study called the Seven Country Study. You can go look it up, you guys. But in the seven country study, he didn't just look at seven countries. He looked at 26 countries, but he threw out the data that didn't fit his hypothesis. So then he gets uh, heralded as a genius in nutritional health. And so that kind of pervade all, uh, pervaded our culture all the way through uh, into like the 60s and then into the 70s. And there was one very influential uh, senator George McGovern, who was a Keyes uh, embracer. He thought Keyes hung the moon, that the low-fat diet was the future of uh, stemming the rising tide of obesity that they were starting to have happen. Um, and he's like, we need to codify this and, and make sure people eat a low-fat diet. That was the intended purpose. And so... Uh, 1977 was when George McGovern made this proclamation that we need to make this change. And over the next few years, they started working on guidelines that Americans would be promoted um, of how they should eat. And the first ones came in 1980. And every five years since then, we've gotten them. So that's the history of how this began. The problem is George McGovern was not a scientist. He was not a medical doctor, not a nutritionist, not a nothing he was a politician who got major changes to happen in our culture, nutritionally speaking, that we're still living with in 2019. It's disgusting how far off path we got simply because one man, Ansel Keys, happened to do a flawed study that now we know very clearly. He fudged the data. There was 26 data points and he only looked at seven of them. And then that then influenced people uh, behind him uh, all the way to get someone in the government to embrace it. And now it became codified law in America, uh, or at least uh, recommendations in America. And that's how we got it, you guys. Most people don't know the history of the dietary guidelines and how it's been heavily, heavily influenced ever since with this low fat dogma, which again, never had a single shred of solid scientific evidence to support it. Never did, never has, still hasn't. The 2015 guidelines that we're still under now, most of that is not predicated on good, sound, solid science. Part of the challenge is it's hard to do that kind of research in nutrition. That's why I am calling for today, why don't we make many options? So if they wanna look at low-carb keto science. Okay, great. Not saying we have to totally shift all the guidelines over to low-carb keto for everybody. I don't think that's good. But what I do think is good is making sure that everybody has options that will work for them. Because so many of you guys that watch Jimmy Rants, you've been changed because you've eaten low-carb keto. Other people might be changed because they embrace more of a paleo diet. Other people might do well in a Mediterranean diet and still others might do kind of a a vegetarian diet that includes fish and and eggs. All of those things are equally good modalities depending on the individual and what they choose to do. So I'm hopeful that they do consider all the low-carb science. Uh, Criticism of the guidelines, uh, they blame the food industry for distorting the message, marketing low-fat snacks full of sugar and massive portions. Well, the food industry, big food, is culpable in this. Whenever the dietary guidelines came out in the 1980s, I remember my mama was definitely one of those big dieters from the 1980s. And I remember she'd bring home rice cakes and fat-free this and fat-free that and Diet Coke and all this stuff uh, because she bought into it. That was the unintended consequence of them codifying this low-fat diet as the healthy diet. Snack wells, anyone? You know, we've all been down that rabbit hole, literally that rabbit hole with all that rabbit food. And so big food does play a role in this. And the problem, too, is the influence that these food companies have. They don't want them to change it outside of what they have promoted because they've made a lot of money off claims of low-fat so many things going on behind the scenes. They note that the guidelines have cautioned against sugar since they were introduced in 1980. If they cautioned against sugar in 1980, they didn't make it loud enough because most people didn't pay any attention at all to sugar on food labels when they were pushing low-fat, low-fat, low-fat. And there was this guy named John Yudkin. Go look up John Yudkin, Y U D. K-I-N. He sounded the alarm in the early 70s about the dangers of sugar in the diet. And guys, he was blacklisted. He was totally uh, rejected. They're like, nope, the hypothesis is fat clogs your arteries, gives you heart disease and makes you fat. That was what they wanted to promote. So they squelched this guy, John Yudkin. Uh, He was from the U.K., Uh, Poor guy was way ahead of his time. He knew sugar was the real enemy in our health, and yet he was rejected. Now, today he's a hero posthumously because he did see this long before everybody else. So for them to now put in here, well, we were always cautioning against sugar. No, you weren't. Every single one of those low-fat foods that came out in the 1980s and into the 90s and beyond, every single one of them, we're loaded with sugar. Go pick up a box. Uh, not Don't buy it. But in a grocery store, pick up a Snackwell's. On the back of Snackwell's, you'll see one of the ingredients. You'll see two dastardly ingredients on a Snackwell's cookie. Uh, it'll shock you now that you eat low-carb keto. They put wheat grains in there. So refined grains. And they put sugar. Now. They're trying to pretend like, oh, we were always against sugar. No, you were not. You weren't. The key recommendations have been largely consistent and remain sound. Um, Consistent, yes. Consistently bad. Uh, Sound, no. Not a chance. There was no soundness to the dietary guidelines. There never has been. That's why people have been confused because, well, we have this consortium of scientists that come together every five years and they look at all the science and they vet it out and they spit out these recommendations that are based on that science. That's what people believe. But is that what they actually do? And up until this point, the answer is a hard no. That is not what they do. Low-carb diets generally limit foods like bread, pasta, and sugar to less than 30% of calories. I'd say probably less than 10% of calories for most people. Um, That would be 750 calories for someone eating 2,500 a day. The idea of restricting carbohydrates has been around for decades, and many people remember the Atkins craze. Well, it was long before the Atkins craze. I've always hated that phrase, the Atkins craze. We don't talk about the vegan craze. Although I think those people are really cray cray sometimes. Um, the low carb diet, hex, i actually been around a very long time. But the first best selling diet book, you guys, was this book called The Letter on Corpulence. You want to know when The Letter on Corpulence was written? In the 1860s. It was this guy named William Banting, he was an undertaker in the UK, and his, uh, his doctor, uh, Dr. Harvey, put him on a low-carb diet. He lost weight. He came off of uh, some diseases that he had. A lot of things cleared up in his health. So he wrote a book about it called Letter on Corpulence. It was the very first international best-selling diet book. And it was low-carb! 150 years ago. So for them to pretend like, Restricted carbohydrates. It's been around just the past few decades. No, try a century and a half. That's how long it's been around. And then, of course, it came into the 20th century in 1921. The ketogenic diet was... Basically created at that point. They discovered ketones and they named them and then they called the diet that produced them a ketogenic diet. That was 1921. It was primarily used for controlling seizures uh, in epileptic children. They also used it as a treatment option for people with type 2 diabetes. And all of those things were in place with low carb 1921. So that was almost a hundred years ago that we were looking at this. Low-carb craze. And so so then when uh, drugs came along that made epileptic seizures uh, reduce, and then when insulin was uh, created, um, then low-carb kind of fell by the wayside. It got picked back up in the 1950s, uh, was starting to be used uh, by various people. Pennington uh, primarily used it. Uh, He did this big study uh, with uh, DuPont, workers and put them on a low-carb diet. They were trying to reduce costs of healthcare and all this stuff. Um, And so that was the work, you guys, Pennington's work in the 1950s that then Dr. Atkins started looking into in the 1960s. And that's what led to Dr. Atkins' uh, uh, diet revolution that came out in the early 70s and kind of spawned a lot of the low-carb interest that we still have today. Lots of history involved here and a lots lots of kind of overlapping timelines here that it makes no sense at all that they want to pretend like carbohydrate, restri- carbohydrate restriction is just this Johnny-come-lately. Uh-uh. It's been around for a long time, and that's just official. Do you think hunter-gatherers 10,000 years ago, how do you think they survived? They were pretty darn low-carb. There were no healthy whole grains before agriculture, and they mostly did periods of fasting, long periods of fasting. They did animal kills. They were in a ketogenic state as well, even before they knew what a ketogenic was. The keto diet's been used to treat people with epilepsy, resurfaced as a very low-carb diet. that's now embraced by celebrities. Well, don't hold it against keto that celebrities thinks, uh, celebrities think it's a good modality for them to lose weight. It's not keto's fault. Charles Garrison, a mortgage officer in Florida, decided to try the keto diet, including food like waffles made from almond flour. I don't plan on being super strict about it forever, he said. And you don't have to be. I think it's better if you use real whole foods instead of uh, low-carb versions of your favorite carb food. I think in general, if we move more towards real food and less towards the low-carb waffle, the low-carb cookie, the low-carb this, the low-carb that that will be better off. But if that's the way that you wanna do it in order to transition to the real food, I'm okay with that as well. Low carb diets work well for people with type two diabetes who are more sensitive to carbohydrates. You don't have to have type two diabetes to be sensitive to carbohydrates. I think most people that have uh, this condition called insulin resistance, uh, which can manifest as abdominal obesity, skin tags on your body. That's a clear sign that you have insulin resistance. If you have elevated blood sugar levels in the morning, especially that could be a sign of insulin resistance. There's so many signs uh, that show that you have insulin resistance. If you have uh, uh, fasting insulin level, that's over 10. That's a sign of insulin resistance. There's so many signs you guys. That say you're sensitive to carbs. The benefits of low carb can also be overblown, <laughs> and people still have to make sure their overall diet is healthy, according to Kevin Hall. Kevin Hall is the guy that took money from the group Nusi that was doing all the low carb research. Gary Taubes and Dr. Peter Attia uh, created that. Kevin Hall took their money, and he said, "Screw you! I'm not testing what you want t- to test." I'm going to test my hypothesis. And he totally tried to discredit and make low carb keto look bad in his study. So it does not surprise me that he would make the claim of the benefits of low carb are overblown. Bleh.
0: What's the worst part of doing keto? The meal prep. What you really need is a quick, customizable, and easy keto meal replacement for when your other food options aren't ready. Introducing Keto Chow. It's the fully customizable meal replacement that makes keto easy. Keto Chow takes just seconds to prepare. Add the fat of your choice, a scoop of Keto Chow, water, and shake. Just trust the thousands of five-star reviews on Facebook, Amazon, and Google Shopping. Keto Chow comes in 18 delicious flavors, and in a third-party blind taste test, Keto Chow outperformed all of the competitors in appearance, flavor, texture, and overall impression.
1: Head on over to jimmylovesketochow.com to place your order, and be sure to use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout for 10% off your first order. While you're there, be sure to check out the electrolyte supplements, no sweetener no added flavor no caffeine and pure electrolytes keto chow some nutrition experts say sticking to low carb can be hard and that people should make changes that last do you guys think eating bacon and cheese ground beef steak and vegetables and butter avocado oil olive oil Maybe some berries every once in a while with some heavy cream. What is hard about that? What is so hard about carbohydrate restriction? I don't get it. What are they talking about? I think what they're doing is they're sending a message to the people. Please don't go. Please don't go keto. Please don't go keto. Please don't go keto. Because they know once you try it and once you get through that adaptation period of that two to four weeks for most people, four to six weeks for uh, the few people that it's a little bit harder. um, Once you get past all of that kind of early stuff and you start feeling better, they know all bets are off. They know that you can have all of these delicious tasting foods. You're going to stick with it. Compliance on a keto diet is far better than any low-fat diet you've ever been on. Every low-fat diet, I have always felt hungry, irritable, always wanting more. Oh, but I can't have any more because I've already hit my uh, calorie count for the day. That's why when you go keto... It's often mocked for this, but you don't have to really count calories because you're listening to your satiety signals. Your body's giving you good signals to let you know when you've had enough, if you listen to it, and you eat low carb, moderate protein, high fat, delicious tasting foods. You're happy. You don't have to eat as often. Does that sound like any good diet you've been on before? No, but they don't want you to get there. That's the nirvana of what keto gives you. Marian Nestle, a nutrition researcher who helped write the 1995 Dietary Guidelines, said that she prefers guidance that encourages healthy habits such as the types of food to eat or limit. People don't eat nutrients, they eat food. I love that comment because I think it's important that we talk about the food. What does it look like on a plate? And they tried to do this with the food pyramid and then the food plate I know the one in Canada from earlier this year, uh, they showed a food plate. It was almost totally devoid of any meat at all, and it was definitely devoid in fat. And this is the problem, you guys. They show a plate of food, and I look at it, and I'm starving already looking at that plate of food because it's not uh, indicative of the kind of diet that I would eat. Can you imagine though if the 2020 dietary guidelines come out and they have like six different plates that you can choose from, which would you prefer? Here is your quinoa salad plate with a little strawberry on the side. Here is your Mediterranean diet plate with the fish and the, and all that. Here is your paleo plate that has sweet potato and this and this. Here is your keto plate and it's got non-starchy vegetables and a steak with butter on top. Here is your carnivore plate. And it's, it's all ribeye steak. I'm dreaming. But how cool would that be to see all of these options? And then you go, hmm, which one do I want? You know, what? I'm going to try this one first because that looks pretty good. And then you do that for a period of time. How cool would that be? But they won't do it. Adding low-carb diets could further muddle the message, they say in this article. The guidelines now more than 120 pages long also advise people to limit your saturated fat that's commonly found in meat and butter, foods many link with low-carb diets. Well, you bet your sweet bippy they do because when you cut your carbs, the replacement fuel is fat. This vilification of fat, you guys, it's truly silly and Time Magazine did this big article in the mid 80s uh, that talked about how bad fat is. They had a, a sad face with the bacon and then uh, wide eyes for uh, that are made of eggs. And it was all about how bad fat is. Well, many people forget this, but Time Magazine reversed that position. And it was just a few years back, I think like 2011, 12, they came out with a, a correction of that. And they said fat is back. Uh, Maybe we got it all wrong when it came to dietary fat, especially saturated fat. Uh, And they quoted the work of people like Nina Teicholz and Gary Taubes and others that fat is not the grand enemy in your health that it was once made out to be. The problem is that correction has never made it into the dietary guidelines. And I think this vilification of fat has to come to an end if we're ever going to move forward when it comes to nutritional health. I think the vilification of fat is the major reason why most people don't embrace a ketogenic diet. If they were given the green light and given the okay and told it's going to be okay, that you won't clog your arteries, that you won't get heart disease. If people were told that very clearly in the dietary guidelines coming in 2020, we think keto's big now. It'd be humongous. Because that's the major obstacle that's holding people back. You talk to them every day. I talk to them every day. People still fear fat and cholesterol. They just do. And they think their cholesterol... Uh, numbers are going to hurt them and because they eat saturated fat. Cholesterol goes up. Oh, no, I'm getting unhealthier. Never mind. Blood sugar's gone down. Insulin's gone down. Inflammation markers have gone down. Triglycerides have gone down. HDL, the good cholesterol, goes up. All these good things happening in your health, and yet they want to vilify saturated fat because it happens to raise total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol in some people as if that's a bad thing. It's really incredible, the time we're living in, you guys. Instead of adding another diet to the mix, uh, says this health policy researcher from Stanford named John uh, Ioannidis, he said we need to simplify the guidelines to make them more useful. Here, here is the, uh, the genius at Stanford. Here's his solution, you guys. If we eat more, that will make us obese. That's 100% correct idiot. So they're still deeply entrenched, you guys, with calories mattering and only calories mattering, not the metabolic effects, not the hormonal effects that food is having. It's not the amount of food. It's not Really, anything to do with calories. It's about what foods will fuel you well, what foods will make you feel good. It's, it's the missing element in all this. And I'm hoping you guys, and what I'm sharing here today in this Jimmy Rance is that they will give a hard look at the low carb keto research and the science that's out there. And there's still a lot more science on the way. And that they will truly consider it for the 2020 dietary guidelines. And I hope it manifests as this multiplicity of options that I first brought to their attention in 2010 when I uh, spoke before the 2010 dietary guidelines committee. It has to be done. We can no longer accept the way things have been. And those of us that are passionate about nutrition and health, we need to rise up and we need to make our voices heard. All right. I want to see what you guys have to say. We're going to start with Instagram Live first. We'll come to you here in a minute. Facebook, welcome in. Welcome in, you guys. Thank you for being here on another episode of Jimmy Rance. Brittany Keto Glow says the current dietary guidelines create so many health issues. The food pyramid was BS. Yeah. Yeah really was. Uh, Don't get me started on the utter bleep that they served to kids in school. (laughs) Brittany knows. But Jimmy, what we eat has nothing to do with our health. Yeah, they tell us that all the time, don't they, Brittany? Kiki says my husband's A1C went down 11.9 to 8.2 in five weeks on keto. But Kiki, that doesn't matter. That's anecdotal. That doesn't matter, does it? I hear that one all the time. Well, all these keto people that talk about all the great results, that's just anecdote. That's not real science. So it can't be believed. And I'm like, yeah, you bet it can be believed. I, I promise you it's real. I love the history lesson today. It's so hard to trust studies anymore. Yeah, I will call out the studies here on Jimmy Rance, especially when they're not necessarily good, uh, well-designed studies. Typically speaking, low-fat equals processed crap. Yeah. And what gets me is all of the uh, so-called vegan meat products. Have you looked at the ingredients? My goodness. It's like 25 or 30 different ingredients from soy protein isolate to expeller press canola oil, blah, blah, blah solids. And it's just a chemical you-know-what storm. And people go, that's a good alternative to uh, beef salt because that's what's in a lot of like ground beef, beef and salt or just beef. But to make these vegan meat products, they got to put all kind of everything in there. It's just disgusting. Uh, Alexander, uh, Alexander says, uh, but it's restrictive. What's restrictive? Keto is restrictive. I think keto is pretty unrestricted because all of the good foods that nourish you and make you not hungry are in it what's restrictive is when you have to eat low fat which is how they've tried to get us to eat forever wasn't it butter on that cover that's right there was butter on the front cover of time magazine uh i'm not far away from passing out cholesterol clarity like the new testament uh Let's learn these people some stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for that, Brittany. Mishi says they fear fat because those they trust most about health, doctors and dietitians, still influence how we see health. And see, that's why I think the dietary guidelines, Mishi, thank you for your comment, um, need to change because if they change the dietary guidelines, then that will influence what doctors are telling patients. And sadly, doctors, even though they have no training when it comes to nutrition, doctors still have a very heavy influential role in how people eat, how their patients eat, because patients willingly trust them. Now, that's changed a lot in recent years because of the advent of podcasts and uh, social media and all the all you guys that are crazy to watch this uh, weirdo dude, uh, Jimmy Moore on Jimmy Rants. Um they're learning alternative viewpoints. And so hopefully that's changing, but there's still a good segment of the population. Like my dad and my mom's generation, they inherently believe their doctors, whatever they have to say, even though doctors have had no training whatsoever in nutrition. Hey, Lauren, thanks for being here. All right, I'm going to pop over to my Facebookers over here. Thank you guys for being here and be impatient while I get through the Instagram questions and comments. So let's see what you guys have to say. I just shared this on my Facebook family page. Thank you, uh, Sharon. Appreciate you doing that. One eating plan does not fit all. No, it does not. Uh, what do you think of the comments made by Jillian Michaels on Steve Harvey regarding the ketogenic diet? Sharon, I did a whole Jimmy Rance episode all about... Uh, The idiot that is Jillian Michaels. I only have one thing in common with her. We both have the same initials. That's it. Uh, Go look up on YouTube. Type in Jimmy Rants and Jillian. And you'll find my rant all about what I think about Jillian Michaels. Anti-keto rampage. Not all science is created equal, says Jana. No, it's not. Uh, And most of the science, especially in the nutritional health world is pretty illegitimate because it's epidemiological and observational and not actually looking at human beings in a controlled setting. So that's the, that's the challenge. Sharon says the low fat diet is a major part of the standard American diet. And that is truly sad. Indeed pun intended. Yep. Uh, Look at that new poster in the window. Yep. That's my Jamie Rants. Logo, that was one of the worst studies, talking about the seven countries study. Uh, I'm sad to say a Virginia governor assisted him with it, says Kimberly, talking about uh, Ansel Keys' study. Dr. David Diamond addresses this subject in a YouTube video. Yeah, Lori, uh, Dave. Uh, David is a friend of mine, and uh, yeah, a bunch of us are out here trying to educate the public on some of this history. Good calories, bad calories had it in there, but it was a thick old book. Uh, the Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz had it in there, but it was a thick old book. And I think the more accessible ways, like in a video like here today, that people hear this history about how we got to low fatdom and that it was a whole lot of nuttin' in the research, they they didn't really do their due diligence like people think they did. Uh, I should see the Canadian guideline they just released, says Tabitha. Yeah. It's disgusting what they've done in Canada. And I have a feeling what they did in Canada, which is a huge shift towards veganism, uh, is going to work its way into the American dietary guidelines next year. Uh, big food would go broke, says Lori, if they did the options. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised at how often the ketogenic diet has been introduced into society and people are just now getting it. My whole life, I looked for something that worked. I'm blessed to set my kiddos on the right track for life, says Kimberly. Yeah, it's amazing to me that if their stated purpose is let's show people how to get healthy, nutritionally speaking, that they could have figured this out by now. But newsflash, that's never what the dietary guidelines have been about. The dietary guidelines has been political payback favoritism. Uh, The dietary guidelines have always been about protecting the agricultural industry, mostly the whole grain, soybean industry, corn, all of these really carb-based crops. That's what it's been about. But nobody wants to talk about that. They have very huge conflicts of interest. It's kind of like the big bad wolf. Uh, being your landlord, and you're the three little piggies. How's that going to work? Eventually, he's going to huff and puff and blow your house down. I do less cooking now than before, says Tabitha. Yeah. Food is amazing. I'm making uh, creamy bacon parm jalapeno stuffed chicken breast wrapped in bacon with salad. Tabitha, I'll be right over. (laughs) That sounds delicious. My stomach literally just growled when I read your comment. That's hilarious. I haven't eaten much today, so I'm definitely hungry. Patty says, been eating keto for two years with no trouble sticking to it. I've tried uh, probably every diet out there with no success until I went keto. I would lose weight on others, but then I gained it all back and then some because I just couldn't stick with it. Yeah, your story is not dissimilar to most. Uh, they told me my son could not do keto because he wouldn't get in enough carbs. Carla, all I can say is, I would have been snarky back, but that's just me. Um, what are the essential carbs that you think my son needs? That's what I would have asked. Oh, well, they need whole grains. There's no uh, nutritional requirement for humans to eat whole grains. Oh, they need beans. Uh, there's no nutritional requirement for them to eat beans. Oh, well, they have to have their. And every time they bring up some carb food, there is no nutritional requirement for carbohydrate based foods at all. Show me where there is, and I'll take a look at it. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. What breaks my heart, says Mandy, are all the kids in schools learning all the wrong nutritional guidance and then being fed crappy freezer food for school lunches, which aren't even real whole foods. Mandy, that's that's a whole rant in and of itself. And you're right. The nutritional guidelines are taught to these kids in school. I remember as a kid in the 1980s when I was in elementary school, they had the food pyramid up on the wall and we'd have to recite how many uh, servings of whole grains you needed to have to be healthy and all this and limit your fat and all that. They propagandized kids at a very early age. This is how you're supposed to eat to be healthy. I assume they do the same thing today uh, with the food plate, the my plate, all this stuff, you guys. It's truly crazy. Yep. My son's teacher tried to tell him... Uh, His had full, he's a handful. I can't tell what you're writing, Tabitha, of pork rinds was terrible for his. Oh, he's trying to tell him that his handful of pork rinds he was eating was terrible for his health. I told him, yeah, maybe for her, but you need your fats. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Sharon says the ingredients list on the vegan meat products almost reads like the ingredients for dog food. No offense, just saying I'd rather eat the dog dog food, quite frankly. Um, There's a bunch of nasty. Guys, go look up like Beyond Meat, the the vegan uh, uh, meat products. It's crazy. Lady Lixel of the Canadian Food Guidelines push people towards vegan, uh, should therefore lower the cost of meat, which is good for me. Insert wicked laugh. So yes, the bottom line of this Jimmy Ranch, you guys, is will low-carb keto science be considered for the 2020 dietary guidelines. I hope they do. And I hope they, that means that they will make options available. I appreciate what you do, says uh, Diane Byram, type 2 diabetic here, refused insulin for many years, finally gave in, began getting worse and worse. Keto, January of 2019, I'm already off of my diabetes meds and I've lost 50 pounds. You go. That is incredible.
0: The Living Low Carb show. Dot com. Woo.